podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Wright Olson. And I'm Teresa Palmer. Hi, daisies. Um, All right. We are so excited that we have to jump in right away because we want to get to our amazing guest today. Catherine Taylor is the author of The Baby Dust Method. Um, They also have an amazing Facebook group with over 20-something thousand um, members. And Catherine has a degree in microbiology, immunology. Oh, my gosh. How do you say that? Immunology. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And molecular genetics from UCLA. Um, Catherine started researching variables affect whether an X or Y sperm fertilizes an egg. Um, And then Catherine introduces a natural sex selection approach known as the baby dust method. And so we are so excited to have her here today so that we can talk all about this. Um, Teresa, let's jump in. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Yes. Hi, Catherine. How are you? (laughs) Good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, I was doing some lurking on the Baby Dust Method Facebook page because I actually joined as a member, I think in 2018. Um, I had a friend of mine recommend your book to me. Um, I was really excited to dive in and just read about the research. And I, um, the other day I was scrolling through the page and I love the community that you have over there on Facebook. And it's just so, everyone's so supportive of each other. And it's almost like everyone's lifting each other up and motivating. And so I was reading through and I saw um, that you mentioned that you were speaking on a podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the person. Oh my God, we're going to have Catherine on. Like what a perfect person to have on our podcast. I feel so excited to have you. Um, I thought I might jump in a little bit about um, how I came to find you and um, my relationship with your work. Okay. So um, I was really blessed and lucky to have two healthy, gorgeous little boys, um, Bodie, followed by Forrest. And it was, I'd never heard of the term gender disappointment, which it's funny, despite its name, gender disappointment, it actually refers to the grief or the disappointment when the biological sex of the baby doesn't align with what you hope for. Um, you know, gender obviously is an identity that isn't known until a child is old enough to identify with a gender. So parents typically assume that like a 
a baby's gender is going to match with their biological sex. And I remember at the time, right before I got pregnant, my husband, who already had a son, was like, you and I are having a daughter. We're going to have a baby girl and her name is Indigo. <laughs> this is where having <laughs> Indigo Love Palmer. This was her name. And then we we tried to get pregnant and we got pregnant. I remember we went to the first ultrasound together and we're like, oh, we're going to see Indigo today. And then like we, we went and the baby was happy, happy, healthy little heartbeat. Then we went to the 12-week scan and they were like, oh, I think you're having a little boy that looks like little boy bits. And Mark was like, no. oh, a boy? No, I it's a girl, right? Are you sure it's a boy? It's, it's a girl. And then um, they were like, no, no, definitely a boy. And I remember probably for about three hours when I got home, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I had this dream that like we already have Isaac and I had this dream that we were going to have Indigo now. And I realized that it was such a fantasy that I had to break up with. It was like the grief of breaking up with a fantasy of like, first we had a little boy and then now we're having a little girl together. And a lot of my thoughts and feelings came up from, oh, well, will Mark be as attached to this baby as he is to his first son? And now I can look back and like giggle at myself, but it was my first experience. I know that they were irrational thoughts, but they were real thoughts. And I think it's important to say that there's so much shame surrounding like having any thoughts, but like gratitude for having a healthy pregnancy and having a healthy baby. And at that time, I remember thinking, oh, I wanted to like Mark to have a different experience with this, with this child. And of course, fast forward all these years later, Bodhi couldn't be more different from Isaac. Um, Mark has the most incredible relationship with Bodhi. And then I remember after having him, I was in such a bubble of obsessiveness and just like love and just this fog of like, I cannot love anything more than I love this little person. His biological sex was so irrelevant to me. But then when I got pregnant the next time, I was like, well, I kind of just want to have a boy because I know how much I love Bodhi. And again, he came out and he's so his own person and biological sex has nothing to do with it. And I was so in love with having these little dudes, these little people so different from each other. I mean, all three boys are so different from each other. Um, but I couldn't help but have the little feeling in the back of my mind, like, what would it be like to parent a daughter? What would it be like to say like, oh, I have a daughter. And I grew up as an only child, just me and my mom. So I had this fantasy of what that would be like. And I didn't know if it would be any different, but I had a yearning to experience it. So that's how I found you, Catherine, and um, the Baby Dust Method. Thanks so much for sharing your story. And yours is just like any other story um, we have in the group. I mean, it's such a common thing um, having this expectation or even just a wish that you may have a gender, you know, a certain gender because it is beyond just boy or girl. It's all the memories and feelings and thoughts that we have, you know, whether it's having grown up with, like you said, with your mom and those amazing memories you have, the bond that you have with her being a girl, having her be a womanly figure to you. And there's so much connected for each person and everyone has has so many reasons why they want a boy or a girl. And I, I think one that comes up often is a lot of girls, a lot of females um, in, in the group joining in order to conceive a girl, believe it or not, it is the most 
maybe twice as common as the desire for a boy just in the group. And I think the number one reason why people want a girl first, and you think it might be, you know, they want a ballerina or the bows and dresses, but so often I hear it's to relive or recreate that relationship they have with their mother, either from their childhood, those positive memories, or even just their mother has recently passed away and they just are yearning for that connection. Mm -hmm. So it can be so much deeper than just the superficial things we associate with gender. So thanks for sharing your story. It's, it's so common. Yeah. And it's funny. I, um, stumbled across your, your book and then I got to join the community. So when you get the book, you read and it's so thorough, it's so well-researched, it's so thorough. And it really made sense to me what you were saying. And we thought like, let's just try and see. And we're so content with what we have and our little family. Like, even if we're blessed to have another baby, like, let's just try and see. So I had my husband follow the protocol as much as I followed the protocol. And then when we found out that we were having a girl in my head, I was like, it worked. Oh my gosh, it (laughs) worked. This worked. And I started like being the cheerleader for your work because whenever I meet someone nowadays because it's it's such a funny thing because people keep it very very secretive and I've had so many comments from people being like oh my gosh you had two boys and then you had two girls like wow it's incredible and and I was like yeah do you know what's funny I mean take it or leave it like I followed this book and I sort of followed it to a T and in my head I believe you know, I'm such a big believer in manifesting. And I just like, I feel like my children are the children I'm meant to have. But at the same time, like, it didn't hurt us to follow these methods and to go through it. And for us, in my head, it worked. So I feel like I'm always sharing your your book and this community with so many people that I meet in the little like, quiet whispers that you have between each other. And I can see it in their face. And I know that they want to ask and Um, it's like, it's such a funny thing. I think it's even more, it feels even more taboo to talk about any kind of like longing for a baby of a particular biological sex because we're in such a wonderful progressive place in life where gender is so much more complex and obviously gender is influenced by instinct and culture and society and more that, um, sometimes it is breaking up with the idea of these stereotypes. Like what would it be like to raise a little girl? What would it be like to raise a little boy? And, you know, I will say in my experience, it's not that different to me. (laughs) It feels really, I don't know, Sarah, if you can relate that to that, but the personalities for me are the biggest differences. I'm Mm -hmm. like, Bodie, like Forrest and Poet are the most similar in terms of their play and the the fantasy worlds that they dive into. And, you know, one is a biological girl and one is a biological boy. And but before I had that, I there was this fantasy that it was going to be completely different raising a little girl than it would be raising a little boy. Yeah. So my experience was that I actually, in my head, because I had a little brother um, growing up, I really wanted to have a boy first. And so it was like a total, I mean, I of course was like, either way, it's fine, just a healthy baby. But then of course, like I, in my deepest of deep heart, I really wanted to have a boy. 
And of course, I ended up getting pregnant with a boy and I was so over the moon. But then when I was going to have my second, I really um, wanted to have a girl. And um, and then, you know, I remember getting the phone call of like, it's uh, from my doctor. And when he said girl, I, I had told myself like, either way, it's fine. Either way, it's fine. And as soon as he said girl, I burst into tears and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know so I was just like so excited um and then of course when I was having my third I was like whatever I don't know um but what's crazy is that before I did um before I went to have my daughter I remember you talking about this stuff and you telling me like just a really simple which is why I want to ask Catherine um exactly how it works because um it was like a really simple of like okay you have to have sex for like a couple of days before ovulation or like closer to ovulation and so I did whatever you told me to do to have a girl and I ended up getting pregnant with a girl so I was like ah this is, totally works it's so cool Guys, you know what we always say at the Mother Days, you can't pour from an empty cup. That's why nourishing ourselves with beautiful, healthy meals is so important so that you can fill yourself up and then tend to the needs of everyone else in your family. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled and feeling good all day long. You have over 35 different options to choose from every single week. So you never get bored with the food choices. And you know how crazy it is during the week trying to like prep meals and you got to run the kids to their different games and like after school activities. Well, the cool thing about Factor is they have these two minute meals. So they're ready to serve, heat up whenever that you need to. They have everything from like pancakes, smoothies, a wide variety of easy options for breakfast, midday buys, whatever it is that you need to do to like make it fit for your family. There's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup needed. Um, It's very flexible for your schedule. And you know that I love a coupon. Like I love saving money. Well, they have this sign up and save and they've done the math. So Factor is way less expensive than takeout food. And every meal is dietitian approved and nutritious and delicious. So guys, head to factormeals.com slash motherdays50 and use code motherdays50 to get 50% off. That's days with a Z-E. That's code motherdays50 at factormeals.com slash motherdays50 to get 50% off. Yeah. We all know how busy life gets being a parent and really doesn't leave a whole lot of room for other things like logistics and finances. But did you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Check this out. Okay, so imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. (laughs) I mean... Think of all the cash back that you would get on boxes of pasta. I mean, that's what Esme loves or uh, bags of chips. Me, I love that. Well, NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. This was such a game changer for me. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? 
I can think of a few things. How about a getaway with your girlfriends or a nice little weekend with your partner? Or how about a spa day with some hot stones? (laughs) Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So Catherine, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into this work? Like what brought you to this place? Thanks for asking. I get that question all the time because it is kind of an unusual line of work to pursue. Um, I you know, started um, in the sciences at UCLA and was heavy into research in my undergrad and graduate school. And then when it came time to start a family on my own, just like both of you, you're kind of fantasizing about, gosh, you know, I'd love to have a boy first or a girl first for whatever reason. And so that really kicked off Um, kind of combining my love of starting my own family with also my background in science. And I was hyper-focused on combing through all of the available research. I went through every database of studies that had been published, both in animal and human um, studies, taking a look at the timing of intercourse relative to ovulation, various ovulation detection methods, and then also diets and even other kind of maybe outside the normal um, scientific methods. But I looked through every single bit of research that was available to me. And through all that research, I um, was able to compile what I thought was kind of a merging, a meta-analysis, if you will, of all of the studies together. And that's how I came up with the baby dust method. And I'll say that, you know, I did also heavily, um, you know, dive into the Shettles method, which was the prevailing method prior to Mm -hmm. mine. He was a OBGYN who wrote his method in the 1970s, so over 50 years ago. And it was based on his own anecdotal evidence of timing versus intercourse and uh, of intercourse versus ovulation. And um, but there were several flaws in his method. The science really hadn't caught up. There wasn't a prevailing ovulation detection method at the time. He advised using, you know, cervical mucus checks and temperature and not a very straightforward way to explain how to find the timing that you need. So mm-hmm. all of the science combined with the prevailing instructions out there, I felt like there was really a need to make the science easy to understand to the general public and also to make the method and um, the usage much more user-friendly. So that's what inspired me. And then I tried the method on myself twice. It worked. Oh started using it with Yeah. I was like, okay, that's the first proof. And then I did it with family and friends and it started to have kind of a local excitement about it. And then I wrote the book. So it really was a a, born from a passion of mine, a personal interest, as well as my own background and my career, and then just needing to get the information out to the public. So. Oh, wow. How, how amazing. And now I see your enthusiasm on Facebook when someone comes out and they're so excited and they've had this positive experience and it's just like people are so filled up with joy and they've really followed your method. So for anyone out there listening who maybe is thinking probably quite quietly, not telling their friends, because usually most people just be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. But there's this like deep, like what Sarah was saying, like this (laughs) deep little like wanting of a particular um, biological sex child. What would be like the first, what's what's the most important thing? Would you say timing 
or is it just like pinpointing the ovulation? I also love the um the try one time method if you're going for a girl because that I accidentally swayed for prairie. And I, that's how I wrote to you, Catherine, was that I ac- really accidentally got pregnant with Prairie. Like we were not trying. We wanted a fourth baby, but not at that time. Um, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant. But then when I looked back, I was like, oh, wow, I have done the baby dust method without really realizing it. And I will say it wasn't perfect because I wasn't like checking my ovulation. I was kind of guessing where my ovulation was. but we had our shebang on cycle day 10 for me. And I'm actually a really late ovulator. I tend to ovulate like cycle day 18 or cycle day 19. So we thought cycle day 10 was more than in the clear. And then, and we only did it one time. My husband like got on a plane and like left to go to America the next day. And um, I found out I was pregnant and I was like, Oh my gosh. So I went back onto baby dust method just to like guess what. And I was like, I reckon this is a girl because it was one time it was so far from my ovulation. I don't even know when I ovulated. Maybe it was just a little bit earlier that month. Um, And then sure enough, I went and did the sneak peek gender test, which is a blood test. And it said, girl, and it made me even more set on your method because I was like, this was an accident and I got a girl <laughs> and I li- I could not have been further away from my ovulation if I tried and it was only one attempt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hear that all the time that people have accidentally done the method or, oh, gosh, I can see why I have six boys or six girls because what's so funny is couples do sort of fall into a regular pattern, not always consistently, but um, that sometimes explains for those families of like 13 boys and you'll say, (laughs) gosh, that defies all the odds. He must just make all boys. But really, we fall into these patterns over the years, right? And um, some of it at least can be explained by accidentally doing the method to your point. Wow. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. So (laughs) Is there there a way that you can describe your method without getting into the ins and outs of it for people listening so that they're interested enough? You you guys have to get the book, though, because the book is really specific. Um, And you can have, like, the key points, but you really need the details of it because with Poet, we, we were very into the details. We followed that thing to a... Tea. And I was very committed to this experience. <laughs> and Mark <laughs>, laughs at it now because he was like, oh, we weren't just like having sex to like make love and have a baby. Like Teresa was on a mission, <laughs> which I was. I was on <laughs> such a mission. I had all the steps lined out. I had it all printed out. And then I was like, okay, we're going to try this with 100% of us. And it worked. So for our listeners, what are, what a few key tips like for boy swaying and girl swaying that you can share with us? Absolutely. And to your um, point, you just highlighted how important it is to really follow the steps because we get this all the time in the group that someone will say, oh, well, I didn't really follow the steps or I didn't really read the whole book. I just skimmed it. And there's so many little things that really go into making sure you've done it all correctly as per the method. But just to give a quick overview, um, it is both timing and frequency of intercourse relative to ovulation. Um, And you must use ovulation tests to 
accurately detect your ovulation. As you mentioned, your cycle that time with this really long cutoff, we call it, which is the distance between um, intercourse and the ovulation date. You know, really, you can vary quite a bit. And especially you may think, um, you know, you're looking at a period app and if you have a 28-day cycle that you'll automatically ovulate on day 14. Not the case. I ovulate closer to day 18 or 20 sometimes, like you mentioned. So really important to track with ovulation tests. And then the other two components are the timing and the frequency. So the timing is the specific date um, that you have intercourse relative to ovulation. And the frequency is the number of times per cycle. So I'll just say, you know, the timing is very precise compared to ovulation, but the frequency I'll share, you know, for a girl, it's one time prior mm-hmm. to ovulation. Mm. For a boy, it's two times right on ovulation. And it's much more specific in the book, but that's the gist of it. So for yeah. your listeners, if you think back to the pregnancies you've had, and gosh, maybe that was kind of a boy sway accidentally. We were really active that cycle, right? Or maybe <laughs> yep. ooh, he was out of town for two weeks. There's no way we did it more than once. So you can really analyze a lot of sways retrospectively, even without the tests or the data. And you'll see that a lot of babies have been conceived in this exact same manner. And is diet part of it too? Like what you're eating or what your partner is eating? I mean, I've heard like, you know, there's all of these sort of tips out there where it's like, oh, you should be eating, you know, your husband should be eating oysters or you should be eating this. Or is there any sort of method to that as well? That's a great question, and it comes up a lot. I also address it in the book. The reason there was so much buzz about diet, and of course, in general society, there's always a new diet to try, and I think yes. people are eager to hop on that bandwagon, right? <laughs> um, but there was a study published by Dr. Norlander, I believe about 10 years ago, and she looked at eating certain foods in relation to what the subsequent gender was. And what she found was, and she divided it into eating kind of dairy and calcium and then eating more, um, I believe, like salt and more heavy meat um, products. She divided it up and she found no difference between the two. She only Uh found a difference when she added timing and frequency to it. And people forget to look at the second part of the conclusion in that study. But I put it in the book to highlight diet not only does nothing, but here's another proof that timing and frequency does. Oh my gosh. That's fascinating. (laughs) But funny how the misconceptions get, they travel fast, right? They do. I mean, but that is crazy because you're like, okay, I'm supposed to eat, like, I don't even know if this is a thing, but I was eating spicy foods. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or gosh, I was eating a lot of donuts that time and I got a girl. (laughs) I used to hear to get a girl, like you should be more acidic because the acids like burn off the boy sperm. (laughs) And (laughs) And then it's like more alkaline, like favors a boy. I, that's what I used to like back in the day when I was like really looking into this. Um, uh, I will say someone said to me recently, oh, the reason you've got boy, boy, girl, girl, like, oh, it seems like you've planned this. And I was like, well, I didn't actually I did. plan it, but <laughs> I did have some thinking did go into it. Like, I, mm-hmm. And also I'm a big manifester too. And I always was like, my two sons and then my two daughters and then if my manifesting works, then I would have a boy next. But anyway, <laughs> um, someone did say to me recently, oh, it's because you're vegan. You've, you've got, you had girls. Next. And I was like, oh, okay, is that true? So why don't we look at all the vegans in the world and see if they <laughs> only have girls? Do vegans only exclusively have girls? I don't think so. <laughs> so oh, it's so funny. Everyone, like, the people who will come out and be like, oh, do it like this. This is how I got a boy. I'll do it like this. this is how I got a girl. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been so interesting because we, 
like for you, I want to hear like how this work has changed. And I can, I know you're such an advocate for people feeling feelings, like the longing to have an experience, whether or not it's a fantasy in their mind, the longing is still real and the heart wants what the heart wants. And I think that we need to really like shine a light on the fact that the gender disappointment is sort of an unfortunate term because gender obviously means something else, especially these days when there's so much more conversation surrounding it. But it's a real feeling. And it's like I was saying, that dirty little secret that people keep to themselves because of shame. And and now, of course, there's such a beautiful movement towards like gender inclusivity and eradicating gender stereotypes that it's almost like it's probably made your work even more challenging. And I see on your Facebook page, like so many more people are anonymous and feeling like they can't share these things. Mm. Could you just speak to that for a second? Because obviously you always hear like, well, you should just be grateful to have a baby. You should be just grateful that you can even get pregnant, especially from those couples who are struggling with infertility. I have two friends in particular who uh, one's just had a baby and one is about to have a baby and both of them wanted the opposite gender of what they had. They had a dream of the opposite gender of what they're pregnant with. And it was such a like quiet little whispered thing to me, like, (laughs) oh, I'm feeling these feelings, but like, please don't tell anyone. Can you speak to that for a second? Because I'm sure there are women and and men, everyone (laughs) listening to this being like, I've had those same feelings, but I haven't been able to voice them because you are taught to just feel grateful. Could you talk a little bit about that and how you address that in the online community? That is such a great question. And I really pride myself in making the Facebook group an inclusive community because people don't have somewhere else to turn to. Mm. Even their own family, maybe their own partner does not agree or does not support this feeling. And so the worst thing you can do, especially for a postpartum mom or even pregnant mom, is to chip away at that mental state because Mm. it can be so fragile. I would say the, the biggest bit of support that I see consistently in the group is from other moms sharing their story and normalizing these feelings. And I'll add that when we take it away from the gender expectation, which which seems so superficial, right? It seems Mm -hmm. so not progressive and not politically correct. And how dare you, right? Take it away from that. And I see this so often in the group and move it towards a loss of expectation. And what I mean by that is similarly with a miscarriage or I, I rarely share this. I've shared this a few times, but I did have a a baby after my first two who passed away at one month old um, and I could go on and on. But the point is, it's, oh no. And you know what? I am one of millions, Mm -hmm. but um, what you will see when people share and I can, I'm feeling it right now when you share, Mm -hmm. um, not only do you find camaraderie and validation for what you feel, but just as that loss is that I felt that was so real, a real baby Mm. in my hands who didn't make it out of the hospital. Um, What you have with these folks is the same thing. It's a loss of an expectation, a Mm. loss of a dream, right? So one could say, well, I should just be happy. I even conceived that baby, right? And I I even got to hold hold her in my arms because so many can't, right? But to Mm -hmm. me, that's still a huge loss. Mm. And to the folks who wanted a boy or wanted a girl, it's a huge loss. And so when you paint it in that way, where it's not some rainbows and butterflies versus puppy dog tails and baseballs, it's 
It's a loss of expectation that you had mapped out for your life that you may never get. It becomes such a heavier and more um, validating, I guess, or even just um, uh, something that anyone can relate to a loss of expectation in life, Um, whether it's the grandmother who died too early and never got a chance to meet her, you know, Mm -hmm. her daughter's children. Um, Mm -hmm. I could go on and on, but it's just that loss of expectation. And I think that's where the real support begins. And we remove it, that superficial gender layer and just move on to loss of expectation. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really strong reframe. And Thank you so much for sharing your story. That is something that I think every single one of us um, can just sort of like hold you and love you in that moment. And thank you for sharing. Um, You know, I just saw something the other day, a woman who said, you know, oh, I had a a miscarriage. I had a pregnancy loss. And um, and the first thing my friend said to me was, oh, well, at least it was, you know, just eight weeks or something, you know. Mm. And then, then the next thing that somebody said to them was like, well, it's fine because, you know, you weren't even trying that long, you know. And then, like, it's so interesting how <laughs> how the reactions of people around you can can do exactly what you said, which is chip away at um, this sort of fragility, this like vulnerability that we have, these things are happening inside of our bodies. And the moment that you're like peeing on a stick, you're, and, and you see that second line, you're like, whole life sort of flashes in front of your eyes, right? You're Mm -hmm. just like, you sort of like fast forward to, wait, what month would the baby be born? Oh my gosh, September. And then they're a Libra. Okay. So that means they're going to be like this. And then, you know, and it's it's like, you just like see everything. And so, you know, I had a pregnancy loss and I remember thinking in my head, like all the thing, I mean, with those like, you know, first six, eight weeks that I knew that I was pregnant, it was like, I saw everything, saw this baby's whole life, its interactions with their, its siblings and like everything. And then the moment that that happens, you're like, whoa, it's exactly what you're saying. It's this like, this like loss of expectation, you're grieving this moment. And so it doesn't matter, like, you know, when people say to you, well, well, at least it was at this, you know, it's a, a none of that stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. we have to stop <laughs> trying to, that's not making it better. That makes yes. it worse. <laughs> and, um, and anyway. it's holding the space for all of these feelings, like, and they are complicated feelings, yes. but it's okay to have these feelings. They're so normal. And I think like validating someone's experience and everyone's going to have their own personal way of navigating through like the loss of expectation or breaking up with the dream Mm. that they have. Yes. Um, Yeah. I think that's so wonderful. I'd love to ask you specifically for anyone listening who's like, yeah, you know what? This is making me realize like I, I did have to squash these feelings of like, oh, I feel sad that I'll never get to like see what it's like to have a daughter or I'll never get to experience what it's like to have a son. I have a, I have a friend of mine who's got like a bunch of daughters and like she really longed to have a son and she just sort of moved through that. And then, of course, she had her like fourth daughter and was like, oh, she's perfect and beautiful and meant to be here. I'd love to hear some success stories that you've seen through your work 
how people have been able to um, make peace with these feelings and and what have you noticed with um, gender disappointment? I think so many people come to the Facebook page to, like you said, kind of commiserate and share their feelings. As far as people making progress, I'd say everyone is at a different stage. I mean, you have people who just found out yesterday that they're having (laughs) their fifth boy. They didn't even try the method, but they're coming to the page just to vent, (laughs) right? And then you have people who are coming back to the page saying, look, here I am on the other side and look how great and look how loving this, you know, sixth girl is and what a part of our family she is and how meant to be she is. And so I would say what I've seen, the greatest thing is the sharing of stories Mm -hmm. and showing the other side, right? It's so hard. You know, you could have asked me when my baby passed away that like, you know, how do you see your life in the next year? I couldn't even see past the next day Mm -hmm. to have someone in front of you. And this is also part of grief support at the hospital that they offer um, a wonderfully robust service for infant loss. Of course, nothing for gender disappointment or or early loss. Right. But, but um, I would say that it, when you can see someone else having gone through the exact same or very similar scenario years in the future, you can begin to get yourself out of what you may feel as a black hole or a Mm. a deep pit of despair. Honestly, some of the ladies in the group do describe it like that. And you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's the sharing of stories. And for example, for your listeners today, hearing everyone, you know, talk about this, normalizing this, going to Facebook groups, Instagram, social media, where you can be anonymous and really be open. You can also not be anonymous as well, but it provides that extra layer of rawness that you need in order to move forward in this journey of loss. So I guess that's the progress I see every day is people at various points in this journey, sharing their insight kind of like a teacher to a student, like it will get better. You will eventually make peace with this. And here's how I've done it. And look Mm. at me and my family. And this is all part of my journey. And you get such a broader step back and view of life, right? You're Mm. in the moment right now. You just got the news. You got your, you know, a boy and you wanted a girl or vice versa. And you can't even climb out of that darkness. So I would say the greatest thing I see every day is that sharing of motherhood, um, like you are doing with this podcast, just sharing the stories, normalizing these feelings and providing a resource for people to vent and share and and feel open and supported throughout this journey because it is not easy. That is so beautiful. That's so, um, <laughs> I love how you articulate that because it's I feel like there's going to be just a huge wave of people listening to this feeling so seen and like they're in a safe place to have feelings, um, you know, which are otherwise squashed or shamed. And, and you know, and we're in a delicate place right now in society where you don't, I feel like there's so much that you have to keep to yourself out of fear of like being judged and it's such a progressive society and in in really important ways and in really like needed areas, but um, it's easy to feel like unseen in it and change is scary and all those things. And like so often I, I find like people just not sharing their opinions because they're afraid that their opinions will be taken the wrong way. And, um, and I did want to say like my girlfriend who was wanting one was, you know, had an expectation for her baby to be one biological sex and was the other. 
Like she could not imagine it the other way. Now she's just in that love bubble with that baby, enjoying every last little moment of being a mother. And it's like those days just have disappeared when she was in that place where it felt really heavy for her for a while. And it was something that took her a number of months of having to unpack and understand where it's coming from. Is this tied to gender stereotypes or is there something deeper underneath that like where's the crack like where's these feelings coming from and really like addressing those on like a cellular level like as deep as possible and she's in such an amazing place and I and I will say from my perspective as well because obviously I'm a part of the Facebook group and I I see the posts both success stories and um and the other kind of success story which is like yeah my it was a failed sway but my life is amazing and I couldn't I I wouldn't want any other little baby than the baby that I got and I was meant to have this baby and it's so beautiful to watch that and I I will say that my dream of what it was going to be like to have my two boys followed by two girls yes my dream it, it came to fruition and I'm living this thing. And sometimes I, and even my parents are quite old school. They're like, oh, well, perfect. You don't need any more kids. You've got two boys followed by two girls. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, wait, I want to have more kids. Um, but it, my dream actually wasn't, my fantasy wasn't real. It's so funny now being in it. Like my, my girls and my boys, it's so like blended. Like, yeah, there are some things inherently that the girls seem Mm. to gravitate towards but they're also like poet is so like one of the dudes with Forrest and um and Bodie and like is so rough and tumble with the guys and she's so like not what my expectation of what like (laughs) parenting a daughter would be I'm like oh my gosh it's so funny that the reality of it is just like they're just people they're just people with all their personalities and you know Two of them happen to be born female and two of them happen to be born male. But it's like it it doesn't actually feel different the way in my head I thought that it would be different. Like, oh, the girls will be the best friends and the boys will be like your heart or whatever it is. <laughs> That's just not it didn't end up working out like that. So I wish I could go back to my like 2018 self and be like, hey, don't worry. Like it's not <laughs> the way like you envision. Like it's it's all gonna work out fine. I think it'd be great for you to share that um, in the Facebook group too, because hearing those stories, like you're one of those examples where it's like, here's how it is, light at the end of the tunnel. Here's me on the other side. I was in your shoes, and now here's how it turned out. Right? It it always comes down to the personality, um, and I would say, you know we do call it a failure in the group when it's a, a failed sway. But as, yeah. I, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, that's, gosh, the wrong term, you know, why would it yeah. be a failure? And I'm thinking it's furthering that um, super negative perception of not getting what you want and, and moving people away from the attitude of, where they should be probably a more healthy standpoint, which is you get the baby that you're meant to have. And, Mm -hmm. and as much as I like to say, we do have control over so many things in life and this method can increase your chances. We've been tracking in the group for over six years and we have an 87% success rate, which is great, but you know, a lot of people don't get what they want. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, one out of 10. And so what that means is, and I try to remind people is that 
for those cases where you were unable to influence the chances or influence the outcome, you got the baby you were meant to have. And in some ways that can be a comforting thought and just say, hey, I did everything I could. It's out of my hands, you know, as, as are so many things in life. We plan, plan, plan. And most of the time the plans work. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, you know, so that's just one way to rationalize it that, hey, this baby was meant to be and meant to be for me and my family. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Where so g- people can find you um on the Facebook group. It's the Baby Dust Method Facebook group. They can like Google that. Um and then do you guys have a website as well? I know there's a book, so go check out the book. It's available everywhere. When I Googled it earlier, it was like, what 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 does baby dust method mean? Like, why did you call oh it baby gosh. dust method? I have had so <laughs> much flack for this because I've gotten people saying, sounds like dusty crumbles of baby like kind of some weird <laughs> images right here's the real reason you baby dust yeah, that's that's what exactly I was thinking. Right. Okay, okay, okay. you got it okay so this is what happened in my early journey with baby swaying and i was on these rudimentary websites back in the day when it was literally chat rooms and um, genderdreaming.com yes gender dreaming <laughs> i've been all I over was there a member. <laughs> yes and you came over to the good side no i'm just kidding no you know what it's a similar community just after the same thing but to your point yeah. it is a good luck saying that is literally like sprinkling fairy dust on someone like good luck and best wishes like baby happy dust sending baby dust sending baby dust it's luck. part of the like yeah. TTC forum, like trying to conceive yes, forums yes, as well, yes. which I was a part of. Yes, you like, were. When I was trying to conceive, <laughs> yeah, I had she secondary was, she infertility. Was like, she was like TTC. Uh, she was giving me all this, all the oh, little yeah. abbreviations DPR, all the time. I was like, like how many? Wait, what? DPO I can't even. <laughs> I need a key. I need a key. <laughs> but you know what's so funny about these terms is it creates that sense of community. Yes. Like we're all in this together. Like she said, "Baby does to me." Only I know what that means. My husband doesn't know what that means. My girl girlfriends don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's like a secret, you know, a secret community, a secret tribe of people who are all wanting the same thing. And it makes you feel less yes. alone and part of something bigger. So that's right. I, I was like deep on the online communities. I was <laughs> you in a really trying were. to conceive. I would like join the trying to conceive um, online community, like month after month, like trying to conceive July, like 2016 trying to conceive like <laughs> September and so and you're all like in this group together and then you you like post your pictures of your little um yes. first response pregnancy test like is the line getting darker okay how many dpo did you get your bfp and <laughs> it's like oh I'm, I'm so sad i got a bfn this morning but it wasn't with first morning urine so i'm gonna try later <laughs> tonight i'm gonna like, wait <laughs> I got so involved in the online stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I've been a part of so many. And even just recently, I've been like, I've gotten addicted to Reddit recently, like just at night. And when I get the 30 minutes to myself and I'm not parenting all the children I have, um, I go on to Reddit and I've been like, oh, what's trying to conceive community like over here? Like I'm just going to have a little pop in. It's like this weird addiction. I've been doing this since I was 18, you like have. literally yeah. since I was 18, like on like the bump and on all these crazy things yes. where I, like way before I even wanted to have babies. Anyway, so um, you have created this wonderful, wonderful online community that feels so supportive of each other. I Mm -hmm. love going in. And even though I'm not actively trying to conceive at the moment, 
I still go in to the Facebook community and I read everyone's comments and people's Mm. journeys and just like seeing the love and the connection and that it's just a safe place for people to land. It's so beautiful and I think you should feel so proud of the work that you're doing. And I'm just so grateful that you decided to come on and share this. I know it's like... Yeah, it's I know it's vulnerable to like come out and share all these things. And especially like in the climate that we're in right now, it's like can be taboo. But I really appreciate that like you've dedicated your life's work to this because you've helped so many people feel less alone. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I could say the exact same thing to both of you. Making women out there feel not alone in this crazy journey is absolutely commendable and so needed. And it's such an awesome part of modern technology and just getting to connect with people that we otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. It's absolutely amazing. So keep up the good work. Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Catherine. You can follow Catherine on at the baby dust method on Instagram and also jump on the baby dust method Facebook group. You have to ask to be allowed in. And you um, and buy the book first so you can really download everything that Catherine has to say in the book, get all the specifics and then jump into the community because it is so supportive and wonderful. And, um, yeah, so thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And you've been listening to the Mother Days podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye, Daisies. Bye, Daisies.